Welcome to Lenny's Place, brought to you by Hillendale Stallions. Well, summer is finally here on the East Coast. We all know that that means Saratoga starts soon. Change is afoot at the race course up at the spa. It's going to be new dining areas. So pay-per-sit picnic tables. They'll be charging for seating in the carousel area. And Travers Day is going to be loaded up with steaks galore. For reaction to all of this change, I went to a longtime patron of Saratoga, a guy who began coming to the track more than 50 years ago and who had the time of his life there when he was a kid. Well, today he's grown up to be a very successful owner. And you know what? He's still going to Saratoga and spending a lot of time there. He's a guy who hangs out in the carousel area with his buddies and his family. I know this because I've interviewed him there. And uh, although uh, he doesn't want his name used, I think his thoughts about Saratoga are instructive. Quote, I've talked to Naira execs. They want to get more people to the track, and I understand that. But you can't forget the everyday better. That's where revenue comes from. The guy who comes, spreads out, and handicaps, the regular. And that guy feels alienated today. Naira isn't paying attention to him, and pretty soon he's not going to show up. People take it personally when you take stuff away from them. The racetrack isn't like some NFL stadium. You have to leave the stuff that makes it for its core. These are people whose fathers took them here. And now they're bringing their kids and their grandkids and their friends. You should provide for that everyday guy. You build a fancy dining room on the turn, fine. But I'd also like to see them upgrade the bathrooms. I have friends who've already told me they won't be coming Travers Day. They'll watch from the Racino. It's becoming too big. The Travers stands on its own. Big event days, those work fine at Belmont Park. But at Saratoga, they shouldn't bunch all the stakes together. Part of going to Saratoga was that you could go on a Wednesday and see a stake. Now, weekdays at Saratoga are kind of turning into a weekday at Belmont, unquote. I think that's really strong food for thought for the folks in New York running racing. My colleague and good friend Steve Haskin has, as you know, and to his credit, renounced full-time employment. Uh, Steve's loyal fans have uh, come out and reacted in a huge way, and fittingly so. Fifteen years ago, Steve gave me the best advice anyone in this business has ever told me when he said, you can't cover races from the press box. He is so right, and he's been the embodiment of that, getting to the track well before dawn every day, finding gems that he weaved into his stories, finding people that the rest of us didn't even know existed. Steve had returned to the barns in the middle of the afternoon. Nobody else was around except the trainers who'd be out grazing their horses, and Steve would be able to speak to them one-on-one -on -one and get scoops from them. That's what has made him such a great reporter, uh, the great writing that was just inside of him. 
in talking to Steve. I know he's weighing many options, and I'm confident that his loyal readers will continue to be able to read Steve's fine work, and that's good for everybody because he's the best there is in this business. Joining me now is a man who always seems to have a smile on his face. He buys horses, he sells horses, he does things to horses I don't even want to talk about. But uh, this sometimes he even keeps horses like he did with uh, Breeders' Cup winner and champion day at the spa, which he co-owned. He's also bought and sold horses like Lady Eli, who's the next female superstar to my thinking in this sport. Uh, Travers winner VE day. Pete Bradley of Bradley Thoroughbreds, welcome to Lenny's Place. Hey, it's nice to be here. You know, back in April, we were both in the Keeneland paddock looking at Lady Eli before her season opener this year. And I, I kind of asked you, do you have second thoughts about having bought and then sold a horse like that? And your, your answer was quite revealing to me. What, what, what do you think when, when you have a superstar like that and it, it ends up with somebody else? I mean... What, what's your answer to that? Yeah, well, no, absolutely not. That's what we do when we pin hook horses. Yeah. And to be honest, the worst thing you can do is keep a very good horse because people think you know more than they do, which first is a fallacy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you think you know what a good horse is, and then every once in a while they prove you right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But this is what your business is, is right. passing on good horses yeah. to people who then become lifetime customers, hopefully. With any luck at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tell me about Lady Eli. What did you see about her originally that you loved? I, I mean, she just had the frame. She was an Amazon, beautiful filly. Um, not exactly um, a sire line that was a sire who was, you know, punching him out of the park. But um, she had all the tools and a great female family. Uh, she just was one of those horses that was easy to pick out. And... You know, when you pay $160,000 for a Divine Park, there's got to be something right there. Right. And you're having good success getting them placed with uh, Chad Brown, too, aren't uh, you? Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> some good, some good luck there. It doesn't hurt, that's for sure. Yeah. We've just finished the uh, two-year-old sale season. We're about to embark on the yearling season. We're now a few years out from the economic troubles. Scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the healthiest, where, where is the thoroughbred market health-wise uh, these days, would you say? Um, I'd give it about a 7.5. Uh -huh. Probably not as good as everybody thinks. Um, I, I think those of us especially who really weathered that uh, downturn, yeah. you know, always kind of are looking over our shoulder for the shoe to drop. Yeah. Uh, and with me in this particular, every time something goes wrong, it makes me, I mean, every time something goes right, it makes me nervous because I think two more things will go wrong. Um, having said that, um, you know, the supply side of the market is still lower than the demand side, especially in high-end horses. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. If there's one spot that there was a chink in the two-year-old market, it was in the lower and mid-priced horses. The, the twenty-five to probably $75,000 horse this year, uh -huh. um, there was a dearth of buyers. Yeah. 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 One of the things that, that interests me about the beginning of, of the yearling season is we get to see progeny of, uh, you know, first crop of new sires. Right. Who have quickened your pulse as far as uh, some of the new sires that we're about to get a look at? Oh, I, I think at the, the top of the list, uh, Union Rags and Bodemeister, um, both very good horses. 
you know, union rags. Uh, Sire died too early and looked like he was going, Dixie Union Dixie. was going to be a very good sire. Yeah. Uh, so those two, I'd say, are kind of on the top of the list. And, you know, buyers love those first-year sires. I mean, yeah. they have never had a bad one. Yeah. So it really makes it, you know, they, they go in there, if they look the part, if they're athletic, if they have the race record behind them, you know, they go in with both fists trying yeah. to buy them. And, and your, uh, your operation, I'm just both as foolish fists, as everybody or? else, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's, uh, of course, we've had American Pharaoh uh, do what he's done. There, there, I've seen crazy speculation about the type of money he might stand for uh, as a sire, as, as a professional in this business. Where would you anticipate his fee to be? Uh, again, I'm always conservative. I, and the one thing about the Coolmore organization is they don't overprice horses. They price horses at what the market will bear. Uh -huh. uh, my guess is he's definitely a $75,000 horse. You know, the next question is, is over the course of the next few months, depending on what he does, could he be as high as $125,000? Uh -huh. I think that's the range. Um, and again, the Ashford team, they'll stand a horse at X price if his um, demand is higher than that price. That price will go up over the course of the breeding season in order to reduce the number of mares. You know, uh -huh. in order to uh -huh. keep not reduce is a hard word to say. That there, <laughs> yeah, right. In order to keep the number of mares that are, you know within the limits they like to have. Yeah, that's funny. I I would have said seventy five, but I've been seeing these crazy numbers like one seventy five. Like yeah. that's not even possible. I don't see it. Right. Yeah. And they made a good deal for the horse on top of that. They don't, Rumor has it they made a really good deal. Right. So yeah. they don't have to charge a crazy amount right. of money on the stuff. All right. The other horse everybody is talking about for, for a year now is California Chrome, and the owners have sent him to Europe to try to increase his value. That hasn't worked out very much. I honestly don't know what the deals that are out there for that horse, especially in Kentucky. But if he were to stand in Kentucky, where, where, where would his stud fee be, fair value, would you think, next year? Uh, um, I, I think that he... Again, it's going to depend on the next, you know, five months right. and what he does to um, polish up his uh, performance reputation. and reputation. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, I think he's a fifteen thousand dollar horse. Um, he's a very good-looking horse, mm -hmm. but you know, again, from a pedigree standpoint, not a lot of commercial value right. there. I know a couple of the farms back here have looked at him. Mm -hmm. uh, no deal that I know of has been made. So he's a really tough one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that it's, you know, send him back to his trainer, let him do what he does. Yeah. It's my 10 cents worth, and hopefully he'll show his brilliance again. He should. He's a very nice horse. There's no doubt about that. Now, now in both of these cases, you've referred to their performance going forward from now to, to the end of the year. Does that have that big an impact on, on the ultimate stud fee? Uh, is, is it that as much as the pedigree that's already sitting there that's not going to change? I mean, these horses have both accomplished quite a bit already, but a Breeders' Cup Classic, for instance, really would make a, a, a difference, you're saying? Oh, yeah, I think so, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, the two of the 
catchphrases I use in the thoroughbred industry is, what have you done for me lately? Yeah. And the second one is, every breeder I know has equine Alzheimer's. They forget things that happened not very long ago very quickly. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Not unlike you and me already. <laughs> we just have the regular <laughs> yeah. variety, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. Pete, you're just out in California, big uh, big tournament, big bocce tournament up north. Uh, did, did you win it? Boule, actually, Sorry. which is kind of the French version okay. of it. Yeah. And uh -huh. you doing that? You uh, doing won it? one game, so I didn't embarrass myself, <laughs> okay. but it was close to it. Very good. Yeah. Anybody out there looking for horses, looking to get involved in partnerships, uh, Bradley Thoroughbreds, you can't do any better than what their record's been. Pete, thanks a lot for joining us here on Lenny's Place. Good to be here. Thanks, Lenny. Thank you. All right. We want to thank Pete. We want to thank our viewers. We want to thank our friends at Hillendale Stallions. Yacht at Fazek tipped in at the Kentucky Sale this July. Stop by the Hillendale Consignment. They are great at what they do. And we'll see you back here in another couple of weeks with the next Lenny's Place. Bye-bye, everybody.